Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome inside the steam room, everybody. Along with Charles Barkley, this is Ernie Johnson. So good to be back with you. Yes, back in studio is so amazing. This is a big show today. This is. Do we want to give away who the nope, guest not yet, is? Not yet. We'll just say he's legendary. Oh, he's definitely legendary. Um, we would say iconic. Iconic. Yes. Do we want to give any other hints? No. Where he went to school? No, we don't want to do that. No, either. let's don't do that. No. Let's wait till he comes yeah. up. But it's going to be great, and you're going to be glad that you stuck around for it. Good to see you again there, kid. How Thank you, you, brother. Man, I'm good. I'm good. I got a lot of first of all today. Oh, I can't wait. Dive in. I'm going to start off serious before I lighten it up a little bit. I was thinking about the Henry Rugg situation, and my heart hurts for that young lady's family, and I want to give them my condolences and thoughts and prayers. But I want to talk about something that Derek Carr said. He says, you know, man, I, I'm sorry for the young lady and her family, but I'm going to give grace to Henry Ruggs. And I'll sit back and I just like listen to him. He says, clearly he was wrong, but he needs some people around him right now. I don't know Henry Ruggs, but I do want to give him grace. 100% wrong. I'm not going to get on here and defend him. My thoughts and prayers are with the young lady and her family, but my thoughts and prayers are with him too. And I never want to be one of those people who just, when somebody makes a mistake, no matter how bad the mistake is, I don't want to pile on. And I want to thank Derek Carr for saying that. Like I say, I was mad because if he had to hit my daughter or any of us daughters and drunk driving, but I want to get a guy some grace. And I want to get Alec Baldwin some grace. You know, I want to give my thoughts and prayers to that young lady. I know she had a, I think she has a son and a husband. And I don't know Alec Baldwin. We made a commercial together. I spent two days with him. But I know he didn't try to kill that lady. And I just want to give, give grace to people when they're down. There's so many people want to pile on and stomp on your neck when you're down. And I don't ever want to be one of those people. I mean, I know I've done a lot of stupid stuff in my life. And when my friends call me, and told me to keep my head up and hang in there. It meant a lot. And I just, I want to give those two guys grace. Yeah. You know what I, when you go down that road, Chuck, um, I think back a few years to that, remember the the shooting at the church in Charleston, South Carolina? Yes. And as horrible as that was. And one of the first things out of the mouths of those who survived it yeah. was that they forgave yeah. the guy responsible. And for a lot of folks, that's uh, incomprehensible that you could that you could forgive when you can reach that place in your heart and in your soul and in your mind. Uh, that's a remarkable thing. You know, it's. I just worry about us. We're lost as a society. I mean, I'm not sitting on here like I'm the greatest person in the world, but I try not to be evil. I got Chris Pratt on here when he wrote this thing on Instagram thanking his 
wife for having a beautiful, healthy baby. And the internet went crazy because I think his son has some special needs. And they were saying he was taking a shot at his ex-wife. And he said, he said, you know, I, I was really depressed when I woke up reading these fools on the internet. And it just bothers me. You know I'm anti-social media. But I wish that everybody would take a look in the mirror and says, why do I have to comment on everything going on in the world in a negative way? Why do I have to do that? Because it's easier to condemn, Charles, than it is to think and to try to understand and to be curious and try to be reasonable. The easiest thing in the world is to condemn and to pile on. Man, all the good stuff that we do with this podcast, I want this thing to be positive. And I just had to get that off my chest. And my last two things, I got a friend named Dick Sander who did a challenge. It's called finneganschallenge.org. Go to finneganschallenge.org. He's a great friend of mine. He's raising money for kids born with birth defects. One in 33 kids are born with a birth defect. His grandson was born with one. He shot free throws for 24 hours straight to raise money. And his goal was to make 3300 And people could donate a dollar, two dollars, or whatever. He made $39.56. And he's 75 years old. Wow. So, Dick and Mary, uh, I just want to say, people, if you get a chance to help this out, go to finneganschallenge.org. And I want to say this, uh, Dick and Mary, I'm going to donate $25,000 to Finnegan's Challenge. And that's my gift to you guys. And Ernie, I know that what we have been through as a family and you and Cheryl Ann have been through as a family, it's been uh, nothing that I can understand but just support you and Cheryl Ann. So I think you guys started a charity for Michael, correct? Yeah, back in 2016, the Love You Too Foundation. The Love You Too. So in honor of Michael, I'm going to donate $250,000 to you guys I want to thank you and Cheryl Ann for making Michael's life amazing for over 30 years. That kid was so lucky to have you and Cheryl Ann in his life. And we were lucky to be a small part of his life, a very small part. And your family was amazing last week at the funeral. And there's nothing we can say but say, man, we love you. Michael was an inspiration. I'm going to miss driving him crazy pulling up in a different rental car every week. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Michael knew every car in the world and who ever drove a car. For people who don't know, I get a different rental car every week. So I used to to have a great time seeing him. He's like, that's not your car. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, I just want to say, man, uh, you and our thoughts and prayers, and I want to make that donation to you guys. That's that's so beyond generous and so over-the-top, Chuckster. And Cheryl Ann and I and the whole family can't tell you how much we appreciate that, man. It's um, it's hard. It's a hard time, you know. Yeah. That. And, and, um, and I, you know, I want to thank all those folks who've reached out. I mean, it's just been an endless list of emails and texts and phone calls. And you have and, no idea either. I have had 50 texts. And I'm like, I'm not going to bother him 
because I knew you were planning the funeral and everything and you were grieving. But people got so much admiration and respect for you. They were like, hey, tell Ernie we're thinking about him, we're praying for him. And it just it just showed me, man, people got a lot of love for you. Mm-hmm. And But I can say, I just want to thank you. Uh, like when I'm thinking about Dick and Mary and Finnegan's challenge and thinking about what you guys did for Michael, man, uh, that goes above and beyond. He was the luckiest kid in the world. Well, I appreciate that. And I know we talk about social media and how much you don't like social media, but I, I will say that a huge thank you to the people who use social media in the most compassionate way and were reaching out to me and Cheryl Ann and, um, we can never get back to everybody and and thank them, but it was overwhelming, and it continues to be. And look, we've you know we know he's in better hands than ours now, okay? And that's how we that's how we get through something like this. And 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 to have had thirty of his thirty three years after we adopted him, you know, in our house. And I know it. There were a lot of requirements that came with that, and when you get to a point where um, we're doing everything for him. We get to do that, Chuck. Mm-hmm. That wasn't a, oh, look what we have to do now. We get to. We 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 get to wake up and look at a miracle. Yeah. And that's what his life was. And so, yeah, we mourn not having him around. You know, the silence in the house is kind of deafening, but it's, uh, we know he's, we know he's good now. And, um, uh, Again, thanks to everybody. And let me point out one person in particular, too. A school, as a matter of fact, because I just got in the mail yesterday an envelope loaded with messages from high school students at um, Baron Collier High School in Naples, Florida. Wow. And Charles Shanks uh, was the, he's he's a coach and teacher there, and said that they had uh, included, when I spoke to Alabama, Earlier this year, they had included that clip in part of their weekly uh, kind of a there's a, a period of time on a on a Friday or something where they'll mm-hmm. just play something for the kids. And and then to get all those letters and they were so heartfelt. So thanks to them. Thanks to everybody who reached out. Thanks to you for being so generous. Uh, that's just I can't I don't even have the words for it. Um, but we'll get through this. Yes. Appreciate you, Chuck. Yes, sir. Back inside the steam room. Charles Barkley. Oh, this is big, Ernie. Ernie Johnson. Yes. This is big. Yeah, when you can when you can have one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time and one of the few guys who can say he actually lost to Charles Barkley on the golf course. <laughs> Listen. And have him on the podcast. <laughs> the list is growing. <laughs> that list is growing for the record. Yes, but this is this is the the biggest name. Yes, on that list. Yes, Peyton Manning joining us in the steam room. Peyton, thank you so much, man. We appreciate you taking some time. Hey, thanks for having me, Ernie Charles, and uh, yeah, thanks for that intro, Ernie. Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> it's been really the low point of my entire career. I don't like to lose in golf, but losing to Charles Barkley. It has left an imprint on me. It's left a mark. That's kind of what I'm known as now. And my golf game has just gotten worse since then because I've lost all confidence. Hey, you know, Peyton, I got to tell you something, man. When you asked me to be on your first ESPN2 gig, did you have any idea it was going to become this popular? Yeah, we really didn't know what to expect, uh, Charles. 
obviously out of COVID realizing that you could sort of broadcast a game remotely. It's like the one positive thing to come out of COVID. You know, there's so many, so many negative things, but you know, for Eli and I to be able to watch football together, we haven't done that since the early nineties, uh, Charles, when we were back in high school, yeah. Eli was in junior high. So Hey, it's just fun for me to do that with my brother, but to talk football with guys that love football, like yourself, yeah. like Michael Irvin, we had Tom Brady on Russell Wilson. It's been a lot of fun. And the fact that some people are enjoying it at the same time, well, that's a good thing. What were the instructions given to you as you embarked on this? Were there any? Well, I wanted to kind of take a different approach. And look, I watch a lot of football. I go to Broncos games here in Denver. I watch Sunday night football. I watch Monday night football. But when I watch it, I kind of watch it with some other people. And I maybe don't analyze the second and one running play because nobody is that interested. But <laughs> if something interesting happens, I kind of find myself sort of blurting it out and, you know, saying, the safety fell down. The receiver ran the defender into the referee. You kind of yell out what happens. And, and so never had really any interest in being an analyst. I like being a fan. I like being an ambassador. I like being on the positive side of it. But kept talking to ESPN through the years uh, in this second chapter for me and talked about doing something different. We came up with this concept. And kind of the answer to your question is, Ernie, it's like we're watching the game at a bar. Yeah. Eli and I are watching the game at a bar, and the viewer is sitting down with us, and we're having some laughs. If the game's boring, we're having more laughs. If yeah. the game's good, we're talking about what's going on. Love having the guests on there. That's been the most fun part for me. Chuck, you know what? You know, when you watch this and you see so many of the clips, yeah, like the Dak Prescott, you know, hip swivel, and Eli's explanation of that and his demonstration of it, and then saying, and that's why I can throw the ball farther than you, Peyton. <laughs> and it reminds me, it's kind of like our show, too. You know, it's kind of like, you know, we're four guys sitting around talking hoop. Yeah. Watching you and your brother, there's some there's something really special about the relationship that you guys have. And because if you didn't have that, this wouldn't come off that way. No, I think you're right, Ernie. Look, the fact that Eli and I are brothers, we both can give it out. We both can take it. I seem to be taking it a lot more <laughs> in these first shows, Ernie. I mean, there's a lot of material there. You know, Eli's going to the repeat forehead jokes. Oh, I've been down that road. I'm trying to say get some new material. He keeps jabbing. He keeps jabbing. But I think that's probably why it works. The fact that we are both self-deprecating guys that don't take ourselves that seriously, that are serious about football, serious about the X's and O's, but also fun when it comes to making fun of ourselves, laughing a lot. I mean, we laugh a lot during this show. I mean, there are funny things that Charles says, right, that Tom Brady says, that Gronkowski says that we truly laugh at. And to be able to laugh and have fun and watch football at the same time, that's pretty cool. Yeah, even with smoke alarms going off, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. Hey, you know, Peyton, as great a football player you were, and you're synonymous with being a tape guy, always prepared, until Saturday Night Live, until Peyton Places, until this TV show, Everybody's realizing how hilarious you are. Like, you are so guarded. At, listen, and I understand that, but between Peyton Places, the SNL thing, and this, people are really getting an opportunity to see your personality. 
Well, Charles, you know, for a football player, uh, you have that helmet on the entire game. You know, football, if you're caught smiling or laughing on the sidelines, that means you're not focused, right? Oh, he's not into the game, right? You know, the Broncos are culture losing and then the quarterback's over there laughing. So it's such a it's such a serious game, as you know. I think that helmet kind of makes it even more serious where people can't see your expressions. I had a lot of fun playing football. Of course, winning is fun, but a lot of laughs there in the huddle on the sidelines that sometimes because you have the helmet on, people don't really get to see. So those opportunities you mentioned, Saturday Night Live and the Peyton's Places, it's a chance for a football player to take his helmet off and laugh and show that you like to laugh, show that you're not afraid to make fun of yourself. So I've appreciated those opportunities. I realize those opportunities came about because I played football, but I think for any football player to take their helmet off, it's certainly something that uh, it's a different side that the fans get to see. What's the one thing you miss the most about playing football? Just my teammates uh, every day, Charles, those plane rides uh, that you would know about, you know, after a game, after this hard fought victory, you're on the plane with your teammates, uh, the adrenaline, the emotion after this hard-fought victory, and you're on a plane with 53 guys. You never get to fly on a plane with 53 of your friends, right? Yeah. And I tell people all the time, right, you know, when that flight attendant says, hey, this plane cannot take off, everybody is seated and your cell phones are turned off, that is not true. Okay, Charles, <laughs> that is just not true. Because after an NFL game, everybody's on their phones, yeah. they're standing up, and that plane takes off perfectly fine. So – I miss the plane rides. I miss the camaraderie, the fellowship. Fortunately, though, Charles, even though I don't get to see those guys every day, we have a text thread with my old Broncos teammates, some Tennessee teammates, my Colts teammates. We still get to keep in touch. When you see each other at a reunion or when another player gets honored, it makes those moments even more special. You know, every time some job opportunity comes up, Peyton Manning going to be the head coach of Tennessee. <laughs> He's going to take a TV job. He's going to be the NFL commissioner. He's going to own an NFL team. <laughs> Do you sit back and laugh at times? Because every time something like that happens, because I remember when the Tennessee job came, we got to get Peyton Manning. CBS, Fox, ESPN, NBC, they want Peyton Manning. He should be the commissioner in a few years. Do you ever sit back and just laugh at some of the rumors? Well, you know, Charles, everybody wants to try to be the uh, be the one that has the scoop, right? That's breaking the news. And, you know, all these jobs, I mean, some of them don't say this is what we think is going to happen. Some of them say this is going to happen. And I'm like, God, I always thought I would kind of know what job <laughs> I was going to take. How does this guy know before me? Yeah. So you do kind of laugh, you know, first off, my name's been mentioned on some jobs that I am in no way qualified <laughs> for by any means, just not possible. So might be flattering in some ways, but it's just not realistic, right? University of Tennessee, we got a great coach in Josh Heupel. I'm going to the game this weekend. Georgia Bulldogs better look out. Tennessee Volunteers are on the rise. And uh, Hey, Peyton, hey, are y'all yeah. playing Tennessee? Y'all playing Georgia this weekend? We are. We are. Hey, let me tell you something. I saw that movie about a month ago. It's not going to end well. <laughs> <laughs> you're probably right but i'll be there and be cheering hard but you know charles i kind of like what i'm doing right now i'm not exactly sure what it is but i've kind of found some different projects in this second chapter like this new monday night show do a little something for espn called detail that the late yes. kobe bryant started kind of 
breaking down the, the quarterback's play kind of behind the ropes. And, Charles, this allows me a lot of free time as well to do some things that, that I've never had a chance to do. I coached my son's flag football team this year. We went 10-0, and won the championship this past Saturday. You know, if I had signed up for some other things and had to miss those flag football games, that would be a mistake on my end. And so um, I'm enjoying what I'm doing right now. And now is that uh, is that Marshall's team that, that won the championship? That's Marshall. Yeah, Marshall, the Bills. Yeah. And he's not sporting your name or his name on the yes, back of his jersey uh, while everybody yeah. else is? It's been very humbling, Ernie. Uh, you know, look, I had my favorite players growing up. I can relate. You know, uh, I mean, my dad was my favorite player up until he retired. And then I went to Dan Marino. So I think Marshall's taking that same approach. I think I was his favorite player. Until Josh Allen Up came until along. I retired. Yeah. And then moved on to Josh Allen. He likes Mahomes. And so I can't really complain too much because I'm pretty sure I did the same thing. You mentioned your dad. And I've known your dad. We're not great friends. I met him quite a few times. I want you to tell us about your mom because everybody know about the quarterback returning with you, your dad. And, and your brother, but they never talk about your mom. Tell us how awesome your mom is. Well, Charles, she's a saint, you know, and, and no pun intended. My dad played for the Saints, but my dad, but my mom, you know, putting up not with three boys, right? It's really four boys. You got to throw my dad in there, you know, four jocks there in the house, uh, you know, putting up with all of us. Just can't tell you how much I appreciate her. As I mentioned uh, down in August, down in Canton, Ohio, in my Hall of Fame acceptance speech, I said, how lucky was I to have the most loving mother that can also break down a cover two defense as well as any other NFL quarterback. So look, Charles, you're talking about seeing a lot of football games, right? She dated my dad all through college at Ole Miss, 14 years in the NFL with the Saints. That's a lot of football games. She probably thought, okay, football's been fun. Now we're going to go on and have this normal life. And then it was really just getting started, right? With junior high and high school football games for me and Cooper and Eli college, NFL. Uh, now she has grandchildren playing sports. So she has seen a lot of football. She loves it, but she's been a great mom at the same time. As a player, were you superstitious? I probably was, although I didn't like to say it. I kind of like to say I'm just kind of consistent. I have these routines, which is probably the same <laughs> as being superstitious. I like to get to the stadium four hours before the game. I like to read the program from front to back. Ernie, there's some really useless information in the back of that program, <laughs> you know, where the accountant, you're talking to, to the right guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I had to read it. I feel like if I skipped it, I was kind of off. I, you know, I always went out there two hours before the game through passes to my wide receivers, Marvin Harris and I used to go out. We always do 17 passes. Is that superstitious or is that just consistent routine? I'm not sure. I bring that up because, you know, you, you hear about the Madden curse for years and years. And now there's this yes. there's this Manning cast curse where yes. guests you're having on are uh, are falling flat in the next week. Now, is there is there something to this? Well, I certainly hope not. And if somebody at ESPN said, well, you know, the Madden curse, players kept doing it. So no matter what. And I said, Charles, that's because they were getting paid, right? You get paid, you don't care about a curse, right? So uh, yes. that is not a comparison. Last time I checked, we're not paying anybody to come on this show with Eli and I. So, look, I hope it's not true. Obviously, this past week with the Buffalo Bills losing to the Jaguars certainly kind of surprised many. 
obviously we always have the retired players, the coaches that don't have a game next week. I'm actually thinking about putting on whoever the Broncos or Colts play the following week <laughs> to help my teams get a victory. That's come into play a little bit, but uh, hopefully the next player that we have on, if we have one on, Ernie, wins the next game, and we can kind of kill that. But right now it is what it is, and uh, our upcoming game next Monday, Rams 49ers, no current players. We have some great guests, no current players, so we'll see. You need to try to do one before Saturday and get Kirby Smart on there. That would be my advice. <laughs> yes. That's what I should have done. And impromptu Manning Friday night before. Yeah, the- <laughs> Friday for a half hour, we're just going to talk to you. Brilliant. I love it. There's a lot of talk about your nephew. Uh, he's the best player in the country. What advice have you given him? I mean, because clearly he has to talk to, number one, his dad, Cooper. But he has to talk to you and Eli because y'all have been the best players. Everybody wanted you. What advice have you given him, and what's the best advice you can give him? Yeah, Charles, I think Eli and I just try to be a resource for him as his uncle. I kind of wait till Arch, you know, texts me with a question or calls me. I'm not texting him daily. You know, he's a high school kid. Those kids have a lot going on right now. Uh, Cooper's done a great job, you know, counseling him, trying to protect him early. You know, this recruiting starts so much earlier Charles than it did when I was getting recruited, you know, same for you, right? You know, I mean, for me, it was, you know, kind of started when I was a senior. Now it starts when you're a freshman in high school. He's just a junior in high school. So, you know, I just want him to have a great high school experience. I want him to enjoy all four years in high school with his buddies. As you know, you don't get those years back. Mm -hmm. And then when the next step happens, it happens. But don't rush that process. My advice to him is kind of enjoy the journey, not the destination. I cherished my four years in high school down at the Hall of Fame uh, ceremony. I had, you know, 10 of my high school teammates. We laughed. We reminisced. You know, had I just kind of hurried through that process, I probably wouldn't have had those guys down there because he wouldn't have had those friendships and those memories. And so that's my advice to him. The next step, if it happens, will happen at the right time. It'll happen at the right place because Arch will have taken the time to study and make the best decision. But right now, I want him to enjoy his high school junior season and just being a junior in high school. Well, I just want to tell you this, because I'm such a good dude. If you want to sit in my box down at Auburn when he signs with (laughs) Auburn, you can, hey, you, Cooper, Eli, your mom and dad, I got enough seats for everybody. That's kind of, that's a good guy that I am. When you come down, when he wants to sign with Auburn, I'm a good guy like that. I got it. I got it. Hey, I like your quarterback now. I like Bo Nix. I like the way he's playing. So that's good stuff. Thank you. As a guy who's won two Super Bowls, in the big picture, what do you remember more, the wins or the losses? Oh, I think you remember the losses, uh, Ernie. And why is Uh, that? Because everybody, every athlete I ever talked to always remembers the losses more than the wins. There's a reason why. So what's the reason? I mean, for me, it's because – you sort of expect to win and you're kind of surprised when you don't. And when you don't, it sticks with you longer. And, you know, there's an old saying, Jimmy Connors uh, said that he hated to lose more than he liked to win. He hated to see the happiness on their faces when they beat him. And I would kind of fall into that boat. I hated having to go and shake hands and say good game after we just lost this game. You do it. It's the right thing to do, but it's not fun. 
when you win, unfortunately, you kind of take it for granted and say, yeah, yeah, we were supposed to. Of course, the media kind of says you were supposed to win. So my advice to anybody is don't ever take winning for granted, right? Enjoy those victories. Every single win in the regular season in football is hard to come by, Ernie. It's hard to win. Enjoy those. And the losses, try not to make them as devastating as I did because Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday was pretty miserable after a loss. I'm jealous of the NBA and Major League Baseball. You lose a game, you're playing the next night, right? And you can get that bad taste out of your mouth. In the NFL, you lose on Sunday, you got to wait seven days. God forbid you got a bye week. Now we got to wait 14 (laughs) days. That is the absolute worst. And so it's probably not the right approach to do it, but that's kind of how I approached it. And, uh, you know, luckily we did win more than we lost. How do you approach it, Chuck? Well, there's two types of losses. The regular season losses don't matter. I think the end of the year losses are the one that really stick with you, Ernie. Yeah. Because you put so much into a season. Every season is its own entity. Like if you suck last year, has nothing to do with this year. Like, we start over. You, you're not defending, they say, defending champs. You're not defending anything. You're always going to be champs. So every year, you put all your energy, all your eggs in one basket. And if you don't accomplish your ultimate goal, you're just depressed. Like, he was fortunate enough to win two Super Bowls. But every season, Ernie, it takes so much energy and effort to win, especially teams that go deep in the playoffs. Like, you go an extra two months in the NBA, and if you put that extra two months in and lose, you're devastated. When we lost to the Bulls for the championship, I stayed in bed for like two weeks. I was like, I don't want anybody to see my face. I was so down and depressed. And then the next two years, we lost to Kennedy in seven games. When we were the two best teams in the NBA and we lost seven games, like, you put so much energy into it. That's why you remember the losses. But when you put all that time and effort into winning and you lose, you're like, oh, my goodness. Hey, uh, Peyton, we want to throw a clip at you and just get your reaction to it. Because, obviously, you made Omaha famous. Uh, and, and people heard you barking that out at the line for forever and ever. Uh, the other day, Josh Allen, who we've already spoken of yeah. on this podcast, came up with this at the line. That's going to be a big one. (laughs) Allen. Incomplete. See that? I love it. That's exactly what I think of Shaquille O'Neal right there. That's a perfect (laughs) example of Shaquille O'Neal play right there. So take take me into that. Where does that come from, Peyton? And how do you decide what you're going to yell? Uh, NFL offenses are doing a great job of giving players some ownership in the terminology, Ernie. You know, the coach comes in, puts a play in, he's got some concept, and, you know, it's hard to know what the origin of the play was, but my guess is they probably asked Josh Allen, hey, what do you want to call this play? And, you know, maybe it's like, hey, we got three guys over here, we got two here, it's a deep pass play with a short, so we got a three and a two, who's number 32? Shaquille O'Neal. That's a guess. That could be that could be dead wrong. A lot of teams have L words or run plays to the left, R words to the right. So, uh, you know, Charles Barkley has an R and an L in both of them. So you could say that and really confuse the defense. So no 
um, exact idea of what Shaquille O'Neal at the origin was. But I do think it's fun for players to have some ownership and in naming the plays. It helps you remember them a lot better when you actually name the play. So Omaha was yours? Omaha, believe it or not, had been around for a long time. Brady used to say Omaha. Eli used to say Omaha. But when I got to Denver, it's right when they turned those NFL sideline microphones up louder. We were calling a lot of audibles. Omaha was a word that you called when you kind of changed the play and the ball was going to be snapped right away at the last minute. And so we were doing that a lot. So I was saying it all the time. You could hear it on those mics. So it kind of got attributed to me. But Omaha has been around for a long time. So let me ask you this one question. And I, I fight with my friends all the time. Okay, now football has come down to how good your quarterback is. Are these some of these guys not getting good coaching? Because my question is, okay, everybody can't be Payton, Eli, Tom, Aaron, but they should be decent quarterbacks, correct? Like I'm saying, like I say, you guys are the cream of the crop, but I'm saying, can't you coach a guy up enough to make him a decent quarterback? Well, the only thing I'll say, Charles, is, you know, all those guys that you just mentioned have pretty much been in the same offense and the same team, same teammates for most of their careers, right? Tom Brady played in New England. He had some different play callers, right? He had Charlie Weiss, Josh McDaniels, Bill O'Brien, but it was the same offense, right? The same terminology. He knew everything about that offense. He knew where the first read was, where the fifth read was, right? So, so much of it is having some continuity in your offensive system, hopefully having some continuity in the players that you're playing with, the timing that you have with your receivers, the same center that you're comfortable with, and the same guy calling the plays. Unfortunately, there's a lot of quarterbacks that come in, maybe they don't play real well, they change coaches. They fire the offensive coordinator. Now we got to start all over again. If you really want to screw up a young quarterback, just keep changing offensive coordinators every year. That's an easy way to screw him up. How about trying to give him some continuity, give him the same offense? Look, if you have a really talented offensive coordinator and he's really good, he's probably going to get a head job. Charles, you ought to have a shadow living with him, right? An assistant following that guy wherever he goes. So when he leaves, you're taking over the offensive uh, play calling duties. So I think continuity is the best thing to help a young quarterback. Peyton Manning, it has been uh, it's been great talking to you. Uh, you've been very generous with your time. I, th- I think we've probably stolen a little bit of time uh, from your day as well. But uh, but thank you so much, man. We learned a lot, and please realize that we're loving the Manning cast, and people are saying that may be the future of how games are televised. And uh, if it is, man, you're a pioneer. We appreciate you so much. Ernie, Charles, thanks for having me. All the best. You too, brother. Right back Take care of you. yourself. That was awesome, man. We are back inside the steam room, the legendary longtime producer of Inside the Dude, NBA. I listened to last week's podcast, yeah. by the yeah, way. Good. So. Tim Kiley is here, apparently... <laughs> Getting ready to uh, burp a baby or something. What is this on your shoulder? This is uh, my own personal terrible towel. Oh, okay. Um, you know, because of coming off our huge win, which I, of course, lost a bet 
because the Steelers didn't cover. Chuck is very happy because he knows how to bet. I love Mike Tomlin, though. Yeah, I told you, we got, I got to spend some time with Mike Tomlin. He's awesome. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. He just, uh, you know, the quarterback's older than dirt, and so what are we going to do? Can't wait till he takes that USC job. <laughs> that was a good oh, shutdown. That was one of the best That's one of the best time. ever. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Social media time, Ernie. You're always trying to convince Chuck. That's been, a lost cause. I know. So uh, a friend of the show, our friend Rex Chapman, oh, you know, yeah. posed this last night. It's a little game he wanted people to play. And he asked folks to tell me something about, about you, which is true, but is so outrageous, it sounds like a lie. And there you see... The first NBA game I attended, I played in. Wow. I'll give you mine, and then you just to give you a chance to catch up. Uh, hold on for a second. What? That might be true. Yeah. It is true. It is true. The no, no, no. I'm talking about for me. Oh, All right. Okay. Be. All right. I think that's true for me, too. You never went to a Hawks game when you were growing up in Alabama? I was in Alabama. It's not that long a drive to Atlanta. Well, in the Chuckmobile, it was. I actually, I'm trying to think, did I go to any in college? That's what I'm I, wondering. I don't, I don't think mean. so. I do. I think my first NBA game I played in. Wow. Well, if you if you did go to an NBA game before you, <laughs> you played go. in one, it made quite the mark. Yeah, there, there you go. There you go. All right, mine is this. Michael Jordan and I once talked 20 minutes about raising twins. Did you really? We were at the uh, All-Star game in New York. Remember the one that was frigid? Mm-hmm. And we couldn't move? Wait, why did he talk to you about having twins? You brought it up because he came into the bar all by himself. He had nobody with him. And you said, meet this fat guy over here. He's got twins, too. Remember, he just had twins. And he had the look on his face of a guy of a father of twins. He had a thousand-yard stare, and <laughs> I don't know how you're getting through it. So we spent 20 minutes telling each other tricks and stories about how to get through raising twins. Okay. Well, you got a head start. Yeah, at that point. Yeah. That's where these bags came from. But Ernie, is there anything you remember or can tell you about yourself that sounds so outrageous? Or that just people would say, oh, I didn't. You know, yes. I have a tattoo. Wow. You have a tattoo? I do. Are you oh serious now? We're, we're, oh, please don't. No, no, no. We don't, no. No, we don't want we to see that. We need to see it. We don't. No, we don't. No, yeah, we don't. You can't see it. Well, no, you can't see it. I'd have to take off the jacket, take off the shirt. It's right here. It's right here. Okay, that's better. Now, what, uh-huh. is it, what is it a tattoo of? It is Yahweh, uh, like an Old Testament, God's Old Testament name, Yahweh. Uh, when did you get it? I got it the day after my daughter Carmen got baptized uh, when she was a teenager. So I've had it for 12 years or so. <laughs> did you... Did you have to get it translated to make sure it was right? No, I just, I I did the research, and then I took the, uh, I said, this is what I want on my arm. And it's in Hebrew. So, wow. and there it is. And so, and so I I had that done. It was a Kenyan Martin that had a tattoo in Chinese. That- no, he had a girl's name on his <laughs> neck, and they broke up. <laughs> I don't have to worry about that. <laughs> no, he had, he had a girl name on his neck, and they broke up. I love that, man. That's great. One of those reminders of the permanence of uh, of tattoos. Yeah. All right, I'll end it with this one. See if you think it's true. At Super Bowl three, the Namath game, my dad sat next to Vince Lombardi in the stands. True. Yeah, I believe that's true because you can't you can't make him no lie like that. Uh, it is true. It is true. He, he, Vince Lombardi, gave away his tickets, my dad's tickets, and the person who gave my dad an extra set of tickets 
was Vince Lombardi's wife who actually ran the show. So he ended up in the stand sitting next to Lombardi. And when I he told me that, I was like, you got to be kidding me. What did he say? And he just kept saying, this kid, like we were talking about Justin Fields, this yeah. kid's going to beat us, meaning the big, the NFL, we're going to lose to Namath. Wow. They didn't talk for 20 minutes about twins? No, he did oh, okay. not. He did not make that part. <laughs> okay. Yeah, exactly. Oh, so, Chuck, besides the NBA game, is there something you can tell us? Because I know a lot of stories about you that are a little outrageous. Oh, um, uh -oh. <laughs> I went on one date in high school. Who was the lucky girl? Amy Shorter. Nice girl. <laughs> Amy Shorter. Had pity on the Chuckster. <laughs> went to my senior prom. Where is Amy Shorter now? Uh, she's still in Leeds. I bump into her. She's a sweet little lady. Well, she's not uh, young anymore. <laughs> None of us are young anymore. But she was great. Her brother's name was Will. He was one of my uh, teammates. Probably don't need to pursue that. Yeah, that that that, that was that anymore. Was, no, that's that's probably hey, enough. Y'all leave Amy alone. She's I, a sweet lady. I, we're, uh, not, we're not. We are leaving we are Amy alone. alone. <laughs> uh, we we are. just don't want you to go to another level with this. And that last thing, I just wanted to say. I have been to ceremonies where people said it was a celebration, but Ernie, that was a celebration. Yes. And it was incredible and joyous. And I walked out of there three inches off the ground, you know, so you, you and your family, the credit, Eric's speech, just, man, if you, that doesn't make you smile. No. You know, it was an unbelievable and a privilege to be there. Thank you very much. We were proud of the job the kids did. Happy to all the folks who came out. And, uh, yeah, we celebrated, man. Oh, we celebrated. great. Thanks, man. Chuck and Ernie in steam room. Come and join us in steam room. Chuck and Ernie in steam room. Leave your towel on in steam room. Which do you prefer, Chuck? Do you like the... The theme song with the lyrics or uh, or just the Oh, bass? I like the lyrics. Yeah. I love the lyrics. There's something very special about yeah. that. There's something very loyal, steamerish about that. Shout out to my boy in Arizona who came up with it. Yes. Very complex lyrics, as a matter of fact. So it's the uh, final segment of this episode. And you know what that means. Chuck's answering machine, 404-987-0330. Let's see what we've got in store this week. You've reached Charles Barkley. Leave a message, America. Hi, guys. This is Leslie, the lady from Dallas that had the fire six months ago. I just wanted to let you know that I'm in my new place and pretty much settled in. It was somewhat challenging to deal with all that in the midst of an ongoing pandemic, but I managed and I was able to create a new home in spite of it. There's still some emotional pain over everything lost, but in general, I'm doing okay and moving forward. I'm enjoying the new podcast, and Charles, you're looking mighty fine this season. Take care and keep doing what you're doing. And no one like TK, I'm listening to every episode. Bye. Wow, subtle dig from Leslie. It's great to hear from her, by the way, but a little shot at TK for not listening to the podcast. I know. Uh, you know, I'm proud of her. I owe her a gift, too. I got a great idea. Way to keep them listening, Chuckster. Uh, no, nah, man, you know, Ernie, I told you, man, when we started this podcast, we had no idea. When I mean no idea, I wasn't going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> but now I really look forward to it. Yeah. Because when you get a call like that. 
a follow-up call after and, after. and first of all, I'm just glad to get an American on the phone. I'm just kidding. Because I, you there know, there goes the audience. It, oh no, no, no! It is so cool when we get a call from a foreign country. Yeah, it is. It is so cool. Uh, but I'm glad she's back. I hope the lady in Missouri who lost her job and took walks, and the, the soldier who had PTSD, and those are the ones that stand out in my mind. Who says, "Hey." I'm having a tough time, but the podcast get me through it. So shout out to her and Cap. We got to get her a gift. I got a great idea. Very good. Next call. Hey, I know this is Charles Barkley's voicemail, uh, but this one goes out to Ernie Johnson. EJ, uh, first of all, I'm so sorry to have heard about your son, Michael, uh, and his passing. Uh, to you and, and your wife, Cheryl Ann, and your kids, man, you have my... Uh, my utmost condolences. My name is Noah, and I call you uh, to thank you. I, as well, am adopted. I was adopted at 10 and a half months old uh, by my mom and dad from uh, South Korea. And I have so much admiration, so much love, so much respect for people that adopt kids, like you and your wife. What you guys did for that young man can't be quantified can't be substantiated, can't be overlooked either. I love the both of you and your podcast, you and Sir Charles. But EJ, I'm also a bow tie aficionado. Just did my first wedding in a bow tie as a ordained officiant. Everybody take care. TK, shout out to you too, and Cap as well. But EJ, just know that you're always in my prayers, my friend. All much love and respect. Wow. Much thanks for that. That's uh... Much thanks for that. You know, I said that earlier, man. What you and Cheryl Ann and your kids did for Michael, he got a lot. But like you said, y'all got a lot also. He did more for us yeah. than we did for him, Chuck. And if you're with anybody in any capacity in life, if you can say they gave me as much or more than I gave them, that's all you can ask for. So... My sentiments agree with this, man. What y'all did for Michael, what y'all gave him and what he gave y'all, man, rest in peace. We will continue to celebrate that, and we will continue to try to uh, to move on his message, that love you too message. And, uh, you know, we celebrated the other day, thanks to a couple of talented folks who took part in that celebration and never knew it, simply because they used their gifts. Carrie Newcomer's a great singer-songwriter. Used one of her songs as we began the day, and then uh, we used Drew Holcomb and the Neighbors with their family song to celebrate on the way out. Um, and it's good to be back at work. We're glad to have you back, brother. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>